This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Ooh, we're live. All right. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone. I'm joined by Zach Blostein and Chris Nee. Gentlemen, welcome back to OTV. Uh, how, how did the bye week treat you? We had a bye week. It didn't even feel like a bye week. Tis the well, breaks. We, we did have practice twice, but we got to sit around and watch, at least I did, football all day Saturday. That was fun. Yeah. That was the best part of it. And to not be stressed all, you know, stressed out about work or the team. That was, that was I feel I feel like a bunch of FSU fans kind of had a relief there after the last couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, I watched... Uh, my boy Elko coach a great game and then make a not so great call on fourth down. Watch Kentucky run for 887 yards. Uh, what else did I watch? Oh, and West Chris, Virginia. Chris, Surpri- fired, surprising West Virginia. Why'd you watch West Virginia? Uh, it was a competitive game with TCU down the stretch, and West Virginia is weird. I like Neil Brown. I thought Neil Brown was a great hire for them, but he's a guy that definitely entered the year on the hot seat, and yeah, you know, seems like he might save his job at the end of the day. <laughs> Kicking the can down the road a little bit. Uh, Byer Sinone, Chris, sponsored by the Turner Group. Zach actually was anxious about something this weekend. Oh, I'm sure he was. I don't know. I didn't pay much mind. I, I very much tried to stay away from the phone and the internet on Saturday. Yeah, we were responding to Gator fans on the message board. Oh my god. Uh, before we get going any further, want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Chattanooga Whiskey. Great time of year to be enjoying Chattanooga Whiskey. Frankly, any time of year is, but. Something about the way their bourbon hits in the fall with it getting a little cooler out, get the brown sugar vibe with their 111 uh, whiskey and cinnamon and all these great sweet flavors. It just, it's just quintessential fall. So it's great to have for a tailgate, great to have uh, if you're sitting back watching a game. Chattanooga Whiskey, best craft distillery in the game, one of the best distilleries out there, doing an amazing job uh, cultivating really cool, unique types of bourbons and rice, experimental finishes. So you can find them throughout the state of Florida, throughout the southeast, really. Uh, go online to sealbacks.com. You can find some of their uh, entry-level uh, basic stuff like their 111, their bourbon, their rye. Uh, and if you go into some shops, you might find some of their barrel picks as well, which is really, really good stuff. So shout out to Chattanooga Whiskey. Uh, Chris, we have a promo going at Knowles 24-7. Uh, you want to give the folks a quick update on uh, if they've been lurking for a little bit, where they can sign up for Knowles 24-7? Yeah, between now, midday Tuesday, and the end of Thursday, you can sign up for 30% off an annual subscription. Uh, that will obviously take you through a year. Or if you want to just give us a try, you can do two months for $1, which will take you through the regular football season. You know, when FSU should be playing in the ACC championship game, hopefully it would span basically from now to that point in time. So both very good offers. Give us a chance. 
I think we're in your business if you haven't already been a customer. If you're somebody who left, you, you have the opportunity to come back, and here's a great chance, and we appreciate your business. No, they're dead to me if they left. Just kidding. Come back. We'll, we'll, we'll take you with open arms. What about, uh, the, what about the people that unsubbed after Calder? Uh, Falk in the road. All thirteen of them. That was a, that's wild. I mean, uh, I tried to quit, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> you never listened to on the or on the Falk uh, Falk in the road episode. I do need to issue an apology before we get into our full episode here. Um, I thought about it a lot in the last few days, a uh, week or so, and I want to issue an apology to Braden Fisk. I think he would have scored a touchdown against Clemson after rewatching the film many times. Um, he had a great bounce pass too. Uh, Kalen Deloach, but I think if he would have nabbed it and turned it around, I think he would have scored. So Braden Fist does know who Vladi Divok is, was not sure who Arvidas Sabonis is. I did try making my European big man comp, uh, and he knew Vladi Divok. Um, yeah, so there, there's that today. Uh, gentlemen, got a fun episode. It's always uh, entertaining to kind of take a step back and let our listeners and the Nose 24 7 subscribers kind of drive the show, to, so to speak, uh, if I can speak. Uh, and that is a special mailbag episode. Mailbag. There we go. All right. So going to get into it here. Going to start off with some team stuff. Going to work our way through more big picture. Going to do some buyers to know. And then we'll finish with recruiting. That's the script that I've devised here. Got a bunch of people to ask questions. Going to try to get through as many as possible. If you're on page three uh, at Dole 24-7 for our, our questions, uh, you're probably not going to get it read. I apologize. Just got a lot to get to. And. Some of us, pointing to myself, like to ramble. Okay, let's get into it. This is Nola to Nola. This is his first comment in 23 months, so welcome to the board and welcome to Stepping Out of the Shadows. Uh, of all the fixes that were mentioned in the article about flies in the ointment, what do you think uh, you have the most confidence in getting fixed soon versus what do you think will take longer if it gets fixed at all? So oh. I did do something uh, on just real quick on uh, – Basically, big picture things that were plaguing FSU so far this season, and it's in the context of like, can FSU be a championship team? Uh, so, touched on a few different topics. Chris, uh, what would you say is the one like thing that you think get remedied uh, somewhat reasonably this season? Well, I was going to give the floor to you because you are the one that wrote it. In fact, um, to me, it's and it's a personal desire: the success when playing aggressively. I know you brought that up. The second half of the Clemson game is how I would like to see FSU play defense. Not even necessarily the obsession with what 40% blitz rate or so that it was. It's not so much that. I just want to see them flying around, being more aggressive, getting downhill, using the talent that they went out and added to this roster and kind of trying to be the aggressor, dictating terms to the opponent. It's something that's irked me in the first four games. I would like to see it more. I thought Pat Payton played a great game at Clemson. I felt like the light turned on for him in the sense of being in every down defensive end, which is a role that he's more gravitated to this year versus what he was a year ago. And Jared Verse, I thought, also had a very good performance. If those two guys can continue to play at that level, get good interior play from your defensive line, and in general, just fly around, hit people, play aggressive football, and understand you might give up some big plays, but you also got a great deal of talent on that side of the ball, and you should make enough big plays to win games handily. That's what I want to see. I'm, I'm not here for FSU playing peekaboo, looking around offensive linemen and allowing athletic quarterbacks, which they play several of down the stretch, starting with this week with drones at Virginia Tech, Schrader at Syracuse, so on and so forth. I'm not here to just watch them be allowed to run wild because you're trying to keep them in the pocket and your inability to do so. I'd much rather FSU be aggressive and get burned than kind of be not aggressive and get burned. Anything that you want to add to that, Zach? I don't know if you read the article. So. I'm reading through it right now. Oh, good. Really <laughs> fast. 
Um, like a 5,000 word article is coming through it real quick. Pressure. Yeah, we're just going to, the, any... going to the weaknesses. Zach, um, I'll give you a clue. The run game is probably one. Yeah. Um, I think they'll, <laughs> they'll remedy the run game to what degree. I don't know. Like, I don't think it's going to be, you know, a super potent attack, maybe like last year, or the years before, but I do think it's going to be capable um, down the stretch. And, and I know Florida state put a lot of time in the bye week trying to figure out kind of what's going wrong and how to fix it. So I, I think the run game is, is something that they're going to remedy um, at least to a, to a level that is um, capable. And then well, the the other part was something you don't think can get fixed. Yeah. Or that you're more skeptical of getting fixed. Um, I guess just opening up the passing game to some of the stuff uh, in the intermediate level. Like I think FSU needs to get healthy. Um, you know, maybe Ja'Kai Douglas, like Mike Norvell talked about him coming back. Apparently he had a really good day of practice today, which we'll talk about. But maybe the influx of him into the offense kind of opens that up. But from what I've seen, like there have been some plays where, where guys are getting open, um, but but FSU's slot receivers or, you know, just players in the slot, so tight ends, need to get more open. Um, I feel like the tight ends kind of struggle with that against Clemson. Obviously, that is probably the best linebacker core in the country. So. Really good linebackers make it difficult for tight ends to get free and pass yeah. interference calls not being called to. Exactly. Yeah. So a clutch and grab. But I, I, that, that's an area I want to see grow. Um, but I feel better about FSU's ability to have the run game going because that's been a Mike Norvell staple in any of his offenses at, at Florida State and at Memphis. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think we'll see that kind of get going over the next four weeks or so. Yeah, one I, I didn't mention, what I, I'm not convinced improves much. I think the at-bats per game will improve, but I think teams are still going to play take away, or keep away from FSU. I think that's, you know, FSU is going to probably be favored in every single game they have remaining in their regular season or regular season schedule. And uh, I think teams will just go about trying to do that. Now, FSU can be better on third down. Uh, you know, they can try to speed games up. There are things they can do to allow themselves to have more plays, and I think they will do that. But I think there's still going to be a degree of keep away being done to them by opponents. I think the new clock rules just play into that as much as anything. Good offenses that aren't like hot up tempo. I think you're going to see that a lot of anyways. Like Ohio State, Michigan, Miami, Texas are a few programs that were actually pretty similar to FSU for plays run this season. So like teams are going to do that. I think you just can't have like terms dictated with the tempo like what Boston College did. I think that's like the one thing that is like you can't allow that to happen. You can't have a team doing late subs and. And you kind of allowing that to be a, a thing that that occurs. Uh, yeah, you don't want to be playing eight or nine possession games. No, no, uh, uh, that makes like an NFL game, and right. that goes against uh, pretty basic uh, and simplified here. But like teams with more talent want the game to be as long as possible because it is more at bats, it's more opportunities for your talent to overtake a, a less uh, talented team. So you want the game to go as long as possible. So you want as many plays as possible. Um, I think we're just real quick run game like fixes so many of the issues that we're seeing right now. FSU is not very good in third down. Big reason on offense is because you're not facing a lot of third and shorts. Um, So if you're running a little bit more efficiently, you're getting a couple more yards per carry. It opens up more plays for you on third and short, uh, makes a less pressure filled play, just more successful. That's going to extend drives. That's going to extend plays. It's also going to put the defense on the field less. Defense has to do a better job getting off the field on third down. They're not awful at it. 
uh, I think the frustrating thing is like doing some of the data and, and, and digging into it. It's like, they could actually be really good at it. Uh, they put teams in third and long at a better rate than just about anyone at the power five level. And they've faced some pretty good offenses uh, as well, like in the first four games, at least two pretty competent ones. LSU's might be elite um, as we're still getting data points. But like, anyways, like if you fix those things, uh, that just like getting a little bit better at running the football, which they should, like Zach mentioned, like this is something they did very well at Memphis. They'd done it well during Mike Norvell's tenure at Florida State. Like if you get that going, I think that fixes a lot of the issues. Um, let's see, moving on to Noel Stoud, 916. Sorry, Noel Studo. Well, we're already tuning in. I'm butchering names. Uh, are Coach Mike Gravel and Jordan Tra- Travis aware of the offense's over-reliance on the jump ball and is moving away from it been a point of emphasis? Chris, what say you? Uh, it, it's weird. In practices, and not just in the past 10 days or so, but even leading up to some more recent games, the passing game hasn't been this jump ball offense that we saw as much at Clemson. I think the reason we saw that so much at Clemson this isn't really a thought. It's more been stated by multiple parties. That's what Clemson was giving them, so they kept taking it. Um, I don't think they're going to go away from throwing around 50% of the balls they throw, basically, to Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman. One, they're both NFL-level receivers. And two, truthfully, if they catch them at a slightly better rate than they currently are catching them, FSU's offense from a passing standpoint is going to be pretty outstanding. That all being said, you've got a lot of other pieces and weapons, and one would hope maybe we see them used a little bit more. I wrote when I did the alphabet soup thing for the bye week, the wide receiver usage is quite interesting. I mean, truthfully, after those two receivers, it's more Jaheim Bell and then pretty much the rest of your receivers and your running backs have kind of similar at-bats. So I, I think we'll see a little bit more of guys used more, guys like Ja'Kai Douglas, potentially Kentron Portier coming back. That's going to help in the sense of giving you more weapons at receiver that you might go to. But at the end of the day, I think we're going to see them kind of stick with what they've been doing. Again, if the running game gets going, it changes dynamics of a lot of that stuff too, though, where maybe the situations aren't as readily, you know, third and long. Therefore, we're going for something more vertical, things like that. One data point that I got this week uh, that I thought was interesting, and I think like we can all reasonably watch this, uh, fans included, and feel like maybe Jordan was pressing a little bit and we talked about this in the last episode like I dismiss it it's like him trying to get Heisman numbers I think he's just trying to keep his star wide receivers happy and I think he's trying to prove like hey the deep ball is something in our arsenal um things that people around the program think that Jordan was indeed pressing a little bit and so what you can do is help him out a little bit with more quick passing and more quick decisions uh, where he's not having to to make that you know, 50-50 pass downfield and get it in more of a rhythm, open up the offense a little bit and let that come more naturally. I think that's like the focal point for this week against Virginia Tech is for Jordan to kind of not be, you know, take off the Superman cape. Like you don't have to go ahead and make something amazing happen all the time. You can kind of let it come to you. That's what he did so well last year was play within the offense. And when he had to do something crazy like against Florida, he could do it. It was in the arsenal, but just let it come to you. And I think, you know, it was such a murderer's row to start off the season from a scheduling standpoint with, with Clemson and LSU in there um, that I think he tried to make a lot happen. Take a deep breath. You have the bye week now. Mike Marvell talked about today, like Jordan's sense of urgency, but like in a very positive manner, right? Like that he he's being very crisp and focused and practice. And so I think that kind of falls in line with like the jump ball doesn't have to be quite as as prevalent. It's going to be a part of the offense. Like you're going to try to hit 50, 50 shots or back shoulder fades downfield. Like that, that is something that you're going to try to do with the skill set you have. Just 
reel it in a little bit. Uh, Zach, I got a question for you from TB3Golf714. Uh, what causes a bigger headache, the board lately or UCF absolutely uh, pooping all over themselves on Saturday? You're not quite the UCF fan I am. Your sister does go yeah. there. Uh, I don't know if you have the emotional tie that I do. I have a you have UCF on Wow, there we go, Homer. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't have any like affinity towards that school, really. So I, I thought it was like uh, a really fun game to watch. I mean, the last minute, even on UCF's last drive, that fourth down conversion was – absolutely insane like that's one of the best se plays of the season and the call might be even better than the play um yeah it, mean, it meant nothing it didn't mean a lot to me i didn't get hurt by it but i'm sure <laughs> brendan was uh wasn't thrilled um do you think ucs ready for the the big 12 no oh i'm still claiming a national championship though no matter what happens the do, rest do of you the think season. gus do you think gus malzahn's the right guy no wow I think he can recruit at a high enough level to keep you. I think they'll be fine. Uh, I mean, they are without UCF, their This isn't UCF. This isn't UCF on the bench. This is FSU. We don't. I just want to see it. you get upset. No. UCF yeah. on the spaceship. That would be a great big pod. Uh, Joe FSU twenty thirteen. Given the QBs, is Virginia Tech more of a threat for FSU than Florida? Um, no, I'm not going to go with that Florida slander. No, I watched the VT pit game today. Uh, one wow pit. You guys are awful. Congrats. Uh, VT's quarterback is very dangerous when he gets going downhill. He's not like the, he doesn't have that Castellano sudden speed, quick escape ability, but he will make sudden moves. He'll make quick decisions when he does get going downhill. He's a large guy, very difficult guy to stop. And he is a guy who will make a play continue to go after initial contact. I think he has 11 broken tackles on the season, but there were plenty of moments in that game where he just drove blockers for an extra yard or two. Uh, but no, I, I think Florida, I know Florida's a little bit, we all want to poke fun at, but uh, Florida's that was a fun game to watch. Hmm. 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 Yeah, I mean, um, you also play UF in the swamp. Like, it's just, it's a much tougher game. I don't know if you're talking about the game or the teams in general, but Florida is a way better team than Virginia Tech. And if you're solely talking quarterback, Mertz is pretty high percentage passer, obviously not a guy that stretches the field insanely well, but he has Pearsall who can do that for him. VT's passing offense is very much very short game, even as much as Mertz likes to do for UF. So uh, I don't think Drones is a better passer than Mertz. And Drones is a you know probably a better runner, but a different kind of runner. The blue chicken I, in, in the comments. I don't section. disagree with the, uh, the pick quit thing. Uh, their defense, for a team that has kind of, you know, always been about defense under Narduzzi, they were dreadful against VT, and they were really bad in the middle half of the back half of their defense, which is usually, a, you know, after a DT, usually the strength of a pit defense. They lost a lot last year, and I think that's showing up. Um, did you guys see the Billy Napier press conference? Press conference. I yeah. did not. I saw the reaction of some to it, but I haven't actually watched it. What's <laughs> defensiveness, Jimbo? Peak defensiveness. Um, he mentioned multiple times that you know, I don't get these kind of questions when we – when you lose, like you're going to get a different frame of question. Um, yeah, he was very defensive. Uh, he was interrupting reporters when they were asking about questions from last season. Just not uh, – the walls are closing in a little bit on, on Billy there, uh, so it seems. Um, you hate to see it. Uh, Wetzner 1-1-11 would be the probably number there. At this point in the season, 4-0, 2-0 against LSU and Clemson, would the season be considered a quote-unquote disappointment? 
if FSU finishes with an ACC championship, but no playoff appearance. Zachary, I'll throw this to you. Um, no, not a disappointment. You haven't won an ACC championship in, you know, close to 10 years. Like, it's just, I think getting there and, and winning an ACC championship wouldn't be a disappointment. But, like, if you're getting to that point and you are winning, a cha- like, an ACC championship, it kind of feels like, you know, not getting that next step is kind of a disappointment. But before the season, that was my expectation. My my thing is you need to go get to the ACC championship and, and try and win it. Like, that was that was my I wouldn't say ceiling, but that's my what my expectation was. So, uh, no, I'm not going to say it's a disappointment. Yeah, I'm not going to try to move the goalposts. ACC championship was sort of what I believe this team was definitely capable of and maybe sneaking into the playoffs. I know they're healthily in that discussion now. It's just so tough to project a team to go 12-0. and 0. I know FS, I expect FSU to be favored in every game remaining, but – it's just tough to go undefeated. It's one of those things in college football that not a whole lot of people do it for a reason. You get caught one day. Um, and if FSU gets caught, I don't know that an 11 and 1 FSU necessarily makes the playoffs because, you know, LSU is a two loss team already. And the West is never easy, even though, even though it seems like it's down this year in the SEC. And Clemson is sort of what they are this year, which isn't what they've been in recent years. So I'm not trying to take those victories and make them less. I'm just saying, I think at the end of the day, I'm not sure how much FSU will get credit for them if they're competing with other one-loss teams for maybe one or two spots in the playoffs. Chris, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned about moving the goalposts. I think it's post-LSU game with that second half. Like, we were all riding pretty high off of that. Oh, I was ready to move goalposts then, for right. sure, yeah. But that, I mean, that's peak least, FSU. I think it showed what the upside was, right? Like, oh, and this thing's clicking. Although we're seeing LSU's defense might be tentative, suspicion like it, to sell a, to steal a Jeff Cameron Cameronism. Uh, LSU has some some issues uh, on on defense, uh, but still, you saw what you could do on offense. Uh, you saw what the defense can be as well against a really good, high functioning uh, offense. And so, like, fair to say, like this team has championship caliber, like aspirations, which was always like the upside of the team. I just think it became more clear. But I think we all had like FSU at 10 and 2 going into the year. I think you beat LSU, and that probably moves it to that was a one of the more likely losses. So you're probably saying 11 wins is probably more the, the sweet spot. And so, like, I, that, I, I think 11 wins would be an appropriate amount of wins for the talent on this team. Like, I think that's, that's reasonable. Um, so I'm not going to freak out if you go 11 and 1 this season play in the ACC championship, win it. Uh, I think that would hopefully be enough to have a chance to make it to the playoffs. Um, but I don't think it would be a disappointing season if, if that's what you end up doing. Uh, let's see. Lincoln TC says, good morning, Brendan. Good morning, Lincoln TC. Six days until your birthday. Any plans? I, I'm not sure how you know my birthday, but thank you. Uh, two, uh, would you say FSU's play more press, bump, and run coverage? Uh, I know, like, they've definitely done – that'd be a good question for the X's and Knowles guys. They've definitely, against LSU – or, excuse me, against Clemson, uh, they definitely started playing more press stuff and trying to make them more uncomfortable to kind of match some of the more aggressive things they were doing, either with blitzing or uh, the, the four-man pass rush just being more uh, attacking. Uh, lastly, that was more second half than first half, correct? Cor- correct. Yeah, they adjusted that in the second half, I thought, to, to be more in their face and do more mirror stuff off the line of scrimmage. But – uh, if Kev or AB are listening to this, uh, please go into the uh, the question thread and, and answer Lincoln on the first page there. Um, 
Lastly, I started a faceless YouTube channel on ancient history covering topics like Atlantis, Stonehenge, ancient civilizations, giants. Were giants real, guys? I'm going to post a video every day. I'm donating 100% of percent of earnings to the battle's end once they get monetized. Can you check it out and subscribe, please? So, hey, guys, uh, learn about giants and money goes to the battle's end, I think is the trade-off here. I'm fine with that. Late Republic Vibes asks, if Florida State looks markedly better in the back half of the season, it's because blank. Chris, what's the... They got the run game going. Yeah, I'm with you. Because I think that balances the ship in a lot of ways with what the offense does, how they do on third down, how much the offense and defense are sharing the field in the sense of time of possession, things like that. I, I think that if there's one thing I hope we see from FSU this week, it's that the run game looks like it's coming. Anything for you, Zach? No, I agree with Chris. I got it. That's kind of where my my mindset was. Frankly, runner up for me is Adam Fuller turned into the second half Clemson. Adam Fuller, you want that so bad? Oh, I want it bad, buddy. I don't <laughs> want it. I need it. You can tell that like <laughs> they're they're conscious of of like how they kind of flip the switch there, right? Like in the press conferences on Monday. Like that was, I feel like it was asked multiple times with Norvell and and Fuller, and they both kind of commented on that. And I thought Norvell's comment, like he was asked about, like you know how they started being more aggressive, and he, he said a lot of, you know, not all of that is just blitzing every day. Right. Like there are other things that you can do on a like with just a simple four man front, or so as he said, I, playing with confidence and therefore playing faster. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I, I like the blitz rate uh, split first half to second half against Clemson was pretty staggering, and and I think that's probably the, it's probably the the main reason like why they they look so impressive in that second half. But I guess you know there there are other things like Norvell was saying. So we'll see. Yeah, like it is an oversimplified. It'd be like oh they blitz more and they were more aggressive. Like that was part of it. That was a huge part of it. Like, I don't think they would say that it wasn't part of it. Um, yeah. I want a tax style. Uh, it's not even aggressive. doesn't have to be a word. It can be a tax style. I just want FSU to realize they are very talented on that side of the ball to play like it. Yeah. And be that, part of that from is, the word go. And they've talked about needing to start faster on defense, and that's part of that too. Proactive versus reactive. I yes. think that's my the biggest thing for me. Because they, they even – they he recognized that after the – in the Clemson uh, postgame presser. He said we were too reactive in the first half, and we wanted to – you know, impose our will in the second half. And they did that on defense. And and I think that's something they need to continue to do from the start of games. And that's going to help them start faster. Dunkey asks, was in Tennessee this past weekend for USC East and ten- Tennessee game. Selection of Chattanooga whiskey up there is insane. It, it is. I've, I've, I've seen that uh, for myself. It's pretty amazing. Um, also, I thought that was drunky, not dunky at first, which might say a lot about me. Uh, where would you put this year's FSU team in the almost QB-less SEC this year? Uh, same for the Big uh, Ten, if I could sneak two in. Um, so, like, FSU in context of SEC and Big Ten. I mean, the top of the Big Ten, Michigan looks really complete right now, a month into the season. Ohio State has its issues, but, you know, they have firepower, and if, like, the quarterback play becomes decent, problematic. Penn State looks like they could get got, um, but good. Uh, Georgia's it's funny like, there's not a whole lot of like oh this is a dominant team right now I think we've seen through through the first month doesn't change of the season 
Um, oh, I think FSU would be top three in, in both conferences. Yeah, Georgia is a team I would still – I know Georgia has their issues. I don't want people jumping down my throat. And I get they may not deserve to be number one, but they have won 22 in a row. Georgia's defense is still pretty high level. Brock Bowers is special. I think they have enough on that offense. I think there's a little bit of sleepwalking, I feel like, going on with Georgia personally and watching them a couple times. Um, Michigan is a good football team. I think they're a good enough football team to play for a national title but not win a national title. Ohio State, I wouldn't take their quarterback over FSU, so I kind of feel like they're interchangeable to a degree, and I don't believe in James Franklin football team. Sorry. Yeah, I I would slot FSU over Penn State. I'm not ready to be like, oh, Alabama's dead. I know what issues they've had, um, but there's some life there. Uh, So, yeah, I think FSU would be easily top three, safely top three in in both conferences. Um, Maybe you can make the argument for top two if you're playing your A game. Um, Hell. If FSU's playing its A game, it might be the best team in the country, but it's about getting there and doing it for an entire game. Uh, anything to add to that, Zach, or should I move on? I I completely agree. All right. Speaking of completely agreeing, uh, this is, I think, the same order that you got, Chris, at Bucky's. Uh, this is from Derek R91. It's not a question, but next time I go to Bucky's, uh, it suggested that I get the Texas Southwest cheesesteak, by far the best thing they have there. Uh, I will never go back to Bucky's unless I just absolutely have to go to the bathroom and it's the only place I can find. But thank you for the suggestion. <laughs> That's what you got, right, Chris? It is. And Greg did too. <laughs> mm. Zach, he, he came out and he just stood at the Subaru Outback and just was uncomfortable. <laughs> I, dude. Busy be over Bucky's any day of the week. I don't All know day. I don't know if yes. that's a hot take, but the Bucky's obsession, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I like Bucky's. I, I just I think because I've been there so many times, I was fully prepared for the madness that it is. Brendan clearly was not. And why do people I'm not go to school it. or work? Like it was yeah. 2 p.m. on a Friday. It's like, what it's like a doing? it's an attraction. Like it, I dude, if I'm going to a gas station, why do I, I mean, want to they have a bucktooth beaver running around the floor in a mascot uniform? So yes, that's kind of true. Yeah. I feel like that's Chris's crowd though, right? I mean, Busy Bee doesn't have a bee running around the place, right? Have you ever seen that? I haven't. <laughs> exactly Kyle. why I want to go to the gas station, just to see a little guy running around. Kyle Kurz, 42, Byers Sinone. Oops, this is supposed to be, well, sponsored by the Turner, the Turner Group. Group. If we keep up, maintain offense production, Keon, Johnny, and Jaheim could all go in the first round of the NFL draft. It's because he, ent- he ended the sentence with a question mark that threw me off. Um but that's just a known. The offense needs to be even better than what it is for those guys to to all go in the Wait, first. Who is the last one? Jaheim. Jaheim. Bell. Oh yeah, no, so no, no. Yeah, I also um, known that too. I think Keon can. I, they all I think go the, the other. I think the other two will be dissected to death, and I think there's some things about their game that might hold them back a little bit from being a guy who's valued as a top 32 type pick. Rob underscore, have your opinions that Hussey may start at some point in the season changed? I'm rooting for him. I know Chris is rooting for him. I don't remember what my opinion was. Um, do you think we see Hussey start at any point in the season, Chris? He's got to have a game where he takes the opportunity and runs with it. And the opportunity may have been in one of these last two when Akeem Dent was unavailable and it just didn't happen for him. He had a miscue and his snaps got limited by it. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I thought at some point he might have to due to injury, but I feel like that window came and went. 
Uh, hopefully, Akeem Dent's not dealing with an injury down the stretch. Been saying for Kevin Knoll, Shaheen Brown, and so on and so forth. So I don't know. I, I I would like to see him get more reps. I think he is a guy. They love talking about investing in guys. I think Conrad Hussey is clearly a guy that needs to be invested in. And they have, to the credit of the coaching staff, this week talked about having some young guys that they need to figure out ways to get them more at-bats, more reps, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams. Okay. Go ahead, Zach. Sorry. No, I was just going to say I agree. Like I know Chris and I, before the season, I remember we were asked, like, do we buy that he's going to start a game this season, like later on? I don't think that even despite – you know, the injury, like they were ready to just throw him out or the injury to Akeem Dent, they were ready to just throw him out there. And, and obviously when they did, he had a missed assignment. So yeah, I just think, uh, I just think it's important for him to be comfortable and to understand what's going on. And I think this upcoming stretch might allow him to, uh, to do that. Seven, seven, two, no, Throw this to you, Zach. What would FSU's record be so far this season if we never got Keon Coleman in the transfer portal? It's a good question. Man, I mean, you look at the two, you know, the two big games. He he stepped up. Um, I'd say three and one. Like you probably lose one of. I mean, he scored three touchdowns against LSU. Like, <laughs> I, I'd say three and one. Like you lose one of those games, I think, without Keon Coleman. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think the you take into account the offense hasn't been particularly great at running the ball. It very much changes the dynamics of that offense if you take one of those two NFL wide receivers yeah. out of that. And the mix. fact that Tron's been out too. Like yeah. think about that. Like you don't have that that other option. I feel like they have capable guys that we haven't seen used a great deal. So maybe one of them elevates and plays better, you know, Winston Wright, Dustin Hill, somebody of that sort. Um, but like we don't know that, you know. <laughs> So much of the offense has funneled through those two guys. Next up was Jaheim Bell. So it's kind of tough to figure out what's the other pieces. The Noel OG asks, is Chris Marv a threat for knowing play signals? Uh, he's, for people who don't know, the defensive coordinator at Virginia Tech right now. How did Mike no. and staff address that Auburn 2013 vibes? First off, please don't compare FSU against Virginia Tech to 2013 national championship game. I do understand the Damian Craig reference, though. Um He's been gone I, for like yeah. two years. What are we like? Yeah, he wasn't here when the Alex Atkins was the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I don't think they change up sing, signals every year or every game. Like, yeah, no way. Um, it's a strong no for me. Yeah, I don't know. I thought about asking Norvell about that today, and I, I didn't have it in me to do it. So, uh, <laughs> you, you, didn't want, you didn't want to get the eyes moving at different levels. The, do you think Chris Mark will signals? No, that's no. what you're gonna ask. No, I was going to be more like familiarity with Chris Marv and his familiarity with what you guys do at times on offense. Like, how do you prepare for that? But he's he's answered something on that already kind of uh, with the Southern Miss head coach. Like the Ever 2013 evolving. game was the 2013 game was an anomaly. I don't think Mike Norvell would have that level of uh, uh, oversight, if you will. Um, all right. So let's say this is more of a segment that is going to be a little bit more broader team stuff and it's going to be sponsored by the battle's end if you like having a roster there that contends for national championships acc championships uh, just any kind of like competent college football roster you need a really strong collective these days uh, that's just the way it is in, in college football and uh, the battle's end can help you get there it's the best way to actually have some level of contribution to florida state's football roster so battle's end uh, you go to their website 
And uh, if you're a member, feel free to up your contribution anytime. If you're not and you've been on the fence, like it legitimately helps. Every little bit does help for them. Uh, so the Battle's End uh, is sponsoring this segment. Clay Cloud, 1996, asks, what is Jordan Travis's most iconic play in his FSU career? Uh, one of the UF runs. Fourth I think the one where he has to loop around and goes to the right side. That, that's where I go first. Fourth and 14 comes to mind. I mean, hell, the BC runs, this is like the first time we ever saw him, also up there for me. I think it's fourth, it's fourth and 14 for me. Because at that point, the program wasn't very good. Big win, rival yeah. win, singular moment. When he gets drafted, though, wherever it is, like that's going to be the the Florida play, the clip where he breaks like three tackles, turns the corner, and slides right before the one. It's probably should have been a touchdown. Um, I think that's that's the one that people will like use like the first play of his skill set. Personally, yeah. I mean, he carried them to a win in that game. I think um, so. I mean, that's his that that play where he rolls to the right. I think is is pretty crazy. But but I agree, Chris. Like. I feel like that, if you look back at the fourth and 14, like really was where he like gained a ton of confidence in himself. Cause earlier on that season, we saw like he did not have a lot of confidence. Um, and that's, you know, he's gone on record saying that. So yeah, I mean, that the pass to Jakai and then fourth and 14, like those might be, you know, two of his top three or four plays of his career, in my opinion. Speaking of confidence, I believe two years ago yesterday it was Ryan Fitzgerald game winning kick, which, was the first win after starting 0 4, correct? Yep. Right? Against, against Syracuse. Syracuse. So it's kind of wild to think the Fitz journey since that time and the FSU journey since that time. 0 4 to 2 4 0s. Yeah. Um, it's getting better. People who aren't enjoying it, please try to enjoy it. Uh, let's see. Clay Cloud, 1996. Oh, I just. <laughs> Spradlin, Matt. 850. If FSU and Clemson leave the ACC, could they go their separate ways? One to the SEC, one to the Big Ten. Uh, this question is probably becoming, I'm going to throw this to you, Chris, is probably become coming uh, into foresight a little bit after a little bit of slowdown with expansion talk because of reporting from Clemson's and uh, people covering Clemson, I should say, uh, last week that said that things with them trying to leave the conference were becoming imminent in October was kind of a pivotal if you will a month uh in that um it was one of the newspapers that kind of started it off uh, who was it chris the uh post and courier maybe post and courier, I'm right. yeah um so a reputable source like it is a, a like a legit newspaper where more more informed more likely than just a random person on twitter so like to me yeah. that like caught my ears a little bit but would say you chris on just that whole situation and then the idea of like People got worried, I think, that FSU and Clemson were no longer tied. I would like your thoughts on that, please. Clemson has a board of trustees meeting. I believe it's a week from today on the 10th of October. The expectation is that they make some noise during that meeting. Now, I don't know if noise means, hey, bye, guys, and like formal departure, or if it's more along the lines of FSU with President McAuliffe making the statement of financially, we can't keep doing this which was a pretty significant moment when the top person in the school's hierarchy comes out and says that definitively on the record after a board of trustees meeting where everybody in the room is supporting the idea of potential departure and so on and so forth. Everybody who kept up with that understands what I'm talking about there. I'm interested in what Clemson does say with regards to FSU Clemson lockstep. As much as anybody can be in lockstep in these situations, I still think FSU and Clemson is very much in lockstep. I believe that Michael Alford, Graham Neff, that's the ADs for respective schools. 
I believe they both have been very much in conference with one another throughout this entire procedure. I think landing spot wise, you know, they would both have similar options. So yes, I believe they are still very much in lockstep. I don't think FSU's ever been going at this alone. I think FSU's just been the one who was vocal first. One other question kind of in that realm, Chris, but let's stick on the topic while we're here. Seminole in NC asks, can the month of October be a month for the announcement of FSU and others leaving the ACC? And also, did Texas and Oklahoma provide us a roadmap on how to get out of the Granite Rights when they exited the Big 12? So on the Texas OU thing, I am interested to know because that that feels like a significant development in the sense of it's a departure from what was thought to be the case when it all happened versus what reality of it is. I've not had that conversation, so I won't speak further on that till I do have what, that conversation. What, that happened this weekend because I didn't pay attention. To uh, I think it technically happened about two weeks ago now, but it comes down to the financials of the departure, how much it's going to cost, where that money's going to come from, how long that's going to take, all those type of things. Again, their situation is very different from the situation of any ACC school because of the amount of time. The amount of time on the grant of rights in the ACC versus what they were dealing with to get out of their deals to go to a new league is a drastic difference. Therefore, obviously, it probably changed the dynamics a little bit, but it is interesting nonetheless. Um, on the first half of that, uh, you know, could FSU, could others leave in October? Sure. I think anybody could willfully stand up right now and say, yes, we are departing. We intend to depart. You know, if they're going to stick to the August 15th date, that would mean essentially they're here for this football season and all next football season. And then you go from there. I, I, again, I believe Clemson's going to do similar to what FSU did, where they make it abundantly clear where they stand on the issue, but they don't go as far as stating their declaration to leave. But we shall see. I know there's people within the Clemson market who believe that. Clemson made to clear it themselves ready to leave, which I would find interesting if they truly took the lead in that regard and went ahead and did it. Let's see here. Missouri Null 96 asks, where now in year four with Mike Norvell as the head coach through three seasons and a third of the way through this one, what is Mike's biggest strength and biggest weakness? Uh, I will start off with strength debating with culture. I think he has a really – a clear, concise vision for the program, and that leads to a strong culture. The things that he preaches, competing, uh, response, like those are things that you see from the team pretty consistently. I think you see that throughout the program. So, like, to me, that's a strength because it, it is so overlapping, and that's something that is a controllable. And that's another thing he talks about, control what you can control. And, like, that is a, a thing that you see from him being consistent every day and that messaging and, and that creed like the way he lives life there like is is very much so evident in the program uh as far as weaknesses i mean it's not a perfect team i i think the recruiting is where i'm going to say like i don't think it necessarily is to the level of the coaching and game planning i think that's for judging on it trying to be a top five program i think it can recruit at a really high level you have enough infrastructure in place between collectives and um, Mike being a really good, uh, really good recruiting head coach, as well as having like organized like general manager. Like I think there's good things in place. I just don't think it's a staff of like alpha dogs on the recruiting trail. And and that's he's conceded that I think to an extent. Um, but that is something to where like he has not put together a staff of elite recruiters. And we'll see if that ends up getting you or not. I don't know if it will. Um, but that would be my weakness. Chris, I'll throw this to you. Strength. Weakness for Mike? 
first word that came to mind for me was consistency. It kind of falls in line with culture, but Mike is the same day to day to day to day. And that matters. I think that's how he portrays himself to the media, to the coaches he works with, to all the individuals within the building, including the team. And I think there's a reason why that team kind of believes in each other and him is because they, they know what they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Always. It's not something where they have to kind of figure it out or, it feels like it runs off of an emotional high or an emotional low. It's very consistent. I think I think that plays into the culture, which Brendan brought up. Weakness, I would say maybe loyalty, and it kind of falls in line with recruiting. I mean, it's clear that FSU could be a better recruiting staff than they are. Yeah, I think they do a very good job evaluating, developing. So there's ways to work around shortcomings when it comes to recruiting. I think they've been pretty good at that. I think they also are smart when it comes to it being a salary cap sport, which it has turned into in the day and age of NIL, um, but they could be a better recruiting staff. So I, I would say loyalty falls into that because there's clearly individuals that aren't strong recruiters and they're going to be here because of different reasons. And it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I would agree. The strength for me is the culture that he's built and the ability to add guys through the portal um, to seemingly assimilate perfectly into that culture every time. Um, there really haven't been that many issues with bringing guys in through the portal. And then with uh, the weakness, I would agree with Chris. Like, I think, you know, some of the the hires on staff, um, I, I do think that there are some, you know, staffers that do struggle with recruiting. Um, and, and I think, you know, that that's cost them a few recruitments, um, you know, for, variety of reasons. Um, and it's, it's not something that they can't fix. And obviously earlier on in his, uh, coaching, um, career at FSU, like they didn't really have the ammunition in the off season to go nab a country, uh, a bunch of, you know, good coaches, um, across the country. Like they, they were not playing well and, and, you know, didn't have a lot to sell. Now I think they do. Um, but we know Norvell is, is loyal to his guys that's something that has helped as well. So I will note that note that as a caveat, like it does help to have continuity um, with the players on the roster and in recruiting. But I do think that there need, do need to be some upgrades when it comes to um, purely like the recruiting on on the on field coaching staff. And and all that being said, I think our weaknesses were kind of in the same range. Uh, FSU is ranked sixth sixth nationally in recruiting. Yeah, so yeah. Like, but like, but the, even this cycle, I mean, you can point to a few positions that are like, sure. what are we doing? I mean, it's front seven defensive recruiting. It's yeah. they they just hey, have we're, to. We're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into it. We're okay. gonna get into it. We're gonna get into it. Stop, stop, you guys, stop making fun of me. Uh, Quentin eighty, does Adam Fuller earn a spiked baseball during his time at FSU? Football college coach dynasty answers this as a resounding no. Okay. Um. Well, for those who don't know, I assume most do, but spiked baseball is something they started under Mickey Andrews. And basically when you have a shutout, you get a spike, you get a bite, a baseball, excuse me, uh, with the name of the, the team that you shut out and uh, you put it in a bucket and they'll stay there forever. And so there've been many during the, during the FSU uh, era of dominance uh, multiple times. I think the last time it happened was 2015. So it's, it's been a minute. Um, that 2013 national championship team only had one shutout. Shutouts are becoming less and less, uh, increasing, increasingly less uh, common in college football just because of how offenses are run and and things like that. But um, 
I don't think we're going to see a shutout because they don't happen very often anymore. So I'm on the uh, let's FSU be really good this year train so Adam Fuller can go get a head coaching job because I know that's what he aspires to. I don't think FSU gets a shutout this year, so that's a no for me. Okay. Oh, let's go to let's play some buyers unknown, guys. Sponsored by the Turner Turner Group. All right. Yeah. If you're going to enter the housing market, it can be a quite the process you want experienced people you want experienced uh you want someone who's going to be able to answer calls quickly someone who is going to be uh precise and uh, detail focus and that's colin turner amy turner becky everyone with the turner group uh, they work extremely hard diligently uh throughout the state of florida specialize in central florida but really like they can help you with their connections throughout the entire state uh, and there's so much experience and uh, attentiveness there that you're in good hands if you do decide to embark on selling a home, buying a home, all, all that good stuff. So uh, the market seems to be kind of like evening now. Colin said that people are starting to pick up uh, again after not loving some of the interest rates, but still like it's a huge decision. You want to go to someone who can help you out uh, and make you feel really good about the decision that you are making. The Turner Group is where we'd recommend you to go. Please let them know we sent you. Uh, they will help you out with any kind of lead that they get. Uh, they would be more than happy to talk about FSU football as well. Colin loves him some FSU football. Uh, let's get going, gents. Uh, JMO112, Byer Sinone. Uh, he's so good at blanking. Thank you. Uh, sponsored by? The Turner Group. Turner Group. Florida State goes undefeated the rest of the regular season. Uh, they will be favored, but I will uh, Sinone it. I, I think there is a loss there. That's just the most likely uh, probability there. Yeah, I'm going to Sinone it. It's really tough to do. Um, usually get caught once. I'm gonna buy it. I okay. love Zach. Good job. VVJ 1992 Byerson brought to you by the Turner Group. Do we finally see the offense use the slot wide receivers this week? Um, you know, I watched VT play Pitt, and you definitely can attack him on the middle of the field. So yeah, I'll buy it. Sure. Um, that all being said, as I said earlier, I don't think the distribution of passing is going to drastically change away from Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, and J.K. Bell. If Chris, if they hit like three more of their deep shots, are people even talking about it? I mean, it has been weird how little the slot receivers have been used through four. They use the so, tight yeah, ends instead. But they talk about everything. They dissect it all. We're right there with them. So we're just as equally to blame. Yeah, but like if FSU Brent, hits a few more shots, the jump ball conversation is probably lesser. But I think the lack of slot receiver usage, the slant slot receiver usage. I, mean, I, hell, I wrote the word slant in a practice report, and people, I mean, it was like a New Year's party. The issue that I, well, go ahead, Zach. I, you got a take on it. I was just going to say, I think some of the, the you know, selection of where the ball's being thrown, like, in the timing of the game also matters. Like in the fourth quarter on that last drive, like that's all they went to. Like you can't like that's I know you gotta pass the ball, but like you you gotta you gotta get down the field. You can't just chuck the ball up every down. That to me, like, you know, it's a 50-50 ball for a reason if you're gonna throw that up. And we know Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman are talented, but like to me, you just gotta spread it around because that's also gonna open things up for those guys. I think FSU feels like the odds are in their favor with those two being the but guys. That's just not a high for. percentage throw. No, I, like, I get it. But like, there, and there Jordan, are enough Jordan. instances on the year where each of those guys could have caught more than they've caught. 
and this conversation is probably far lesser if that rate is just 50, slightly higher. 50 ball for a reason because you're not going to catch all of them. But when Keon Coleman didn't touch the ball in one game, we talked a lot about how Keon Coleman needs to touch That's the ball. That's what I'm saying. It's, so it's, it's, it's a working. weird balancing act. The, the fixation is if it's not looking exactly the way you want it. So what are they not doing to make it happen? Which I get, like dissecting it, it's fun. I think it really goes in that the unicorns on the roster, two of them, one is Destin Hill, the other is Winston Wright. Like those are two players that fans have been clamoring to see. They're not really seeing them a ton right now. I think that's where a lot of like the trepidation, anxiety, all that stuff's probably coming from. I don't disagree. Balance is a good thing. Uh, also, like, it, uh, Mike will go to his best targets over and over and over again in the passing game. It's something that he showed at Memphis. Uh, they're still figuring out with two of those three players that are like the focal points are new players. Like they're figuring out the best ways to use them still. I, we will not go the entire season without seeing Destin Hill get a, catch a pass over the middle of the field. But like, I think a lot of the like, I think a lot. I think it's overblown. I think it's an overblown talking point. We just fixate on it. Um, Jordan does attack the middle of the field. I think FSU's most most targeted pattern this year, percentile wise, and where it ranks nationally, are crossing patterns. Like, and I'll I'll pull that up. It'll blow your mind. Just. You, you and your little, you know, never mind. Your little perm, your little perm. <laughs> Illinois, Byers and Owen brought to you by the Turner Group. FSU will beat a team twice this year. Uh, it's feeling that way with the ACC championship, unless the answer is Louisville. Ooh. Well, so or in UNC. play for that would be UNC or Miami. That's going to nah, be. I don't believe in UNC. It's still coached by Mac Brown, right? So Miami yeah. then is what you're. You're you're, leading, you're on the I mean, Miami train. Maybe you no, I'm Miami? not on the Miami train. Well, you just said no. you're not on you. Okay, so I'm who, still on that who, Duke train. I love me some Mike Elko. I know Riley Leonard got hurt. Still love him. Okay. And so you're just going to ignore the fact that they're the, the entire. I expect Miami to beat UNC, be so therefore I would take Miami over UNC, which you know pains me because I despise those guys. It will. It, it's. I'm just because Clemson. I think will probably figure stuff out by the end of the year. But they're they're two in the hole. Like already. Like they're they're yeah. too far. Plus they're they're gonna lose one more game. I think. Like they have a really tough schedule. So. I don't know what to make of Louisville. I've watched them twice. They haven't been overly impressive in either. But they've yet to lose. Yeah, they play. I mean, that was talked about before. They play a pretty soft schedule. schedule. Yeah. yeah, they miss like three of the best teams in the ACC. Uh, NWF null eight five zero Byer Sonome brought to you by the, the Turner, Turner Group. Yourself, Dane, or Zach are waiting for a call to fill in if Rosenberry can't go on Saturday. I think James would be okay. Um, Sonone, I don't think that – there would be a lot of options to long snap before any of us three. I'm Sononing that because I believe from long snap to set to kick, it's, what, one and a half seconds? If even that, it's like 1.4515, something like that. Yeah, no, none of us are executing that. Yeah, uh, I'd probably get, like, hit in the shit again. <laughs> That what was concerning. Farm D. Null, Byers Sonome. FSU flips more blue chip prospects than it gets flipped. He does not count process, quote unquote, kinds of being flipped, like the Taven Gatson one to UNC. Um, so so more FSU does more flipping. Hey, should I write an article on flipping by any chance? Yeah, you should say flips coming tomorrow. <laughs> I didn't say imminently. It's- That's what everyone. You said upcoming flips? Question. Yeah, I think we'll get a flip in the next month. Oh, you see, right, I think so. That? So, who are the flip candidates from FSU? Bolden, 
Charles Lester, which I don't even feel like I need to throw in there, but I will because he's visited elsewhere. Is there anybody else? Um, I mean, Lewayne McCoy, he's still being pursued by other schools. Uh, I mean, a lot of these guys, like, unless they're just not saying stuff publicly, which could be the case. Maybe I, Landon not, Thomas. It's, yeah, it's, but he's, he's all but I feel Landon's really proven. firm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, last time I, we then, spoke to him, he said he shut it down. I know Brendan wrote about 15 guys that are on the verge of flipping to FSU, but like a few that No, that's not what I wrote. <laughs> you said they're Jeremiah, all happening. Jeremiah Smith's obviously one that we've written a lot about, talked a lot about. They're obviously clearly in deep with him in the sense of doing it. Who else would you put kind of in that category, Zach? Of Jeremiah Smith? Yeah, of a guy that you know it's abundantly clear FSU is making a massive effort to try to do that. I mean, the three receivers like JoJo Trader, Jeremiah Smith, and Cam Coleman, like they are they are aggressively pursuing those guys. I think along the D-line, Artavius Jones and Nasir Johnson are the two to watch uh, as far as the interior. And then on the edge, I mean, there could be a number of guys that that pop up on FSU's campus over the next couple of months. We'll see. Um, but, I mean, the most notable, I think, right now is Jordan Boyd, the Georgia Tech commit. Um, he's kind of undersized a little bit, but – I mean, he's got twitch and athleticism, and I think uh, he's a guy they like, and he'll be on campus this weekend. So, yeah. Yeah, I was told he's about 230 right now. I know he's listed around 220 in linebacker. He's an edge for FSU. He's around 230 is what I was I like. I like his senior film. It's pretty impressive. Um, mm-hmm. He's been productive. Like, I think in this last game he had two and a half sacks. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I think they're going to continue to um, evaluate and recruit, and we'll kind of see where things go. So do we buy or Sinone whether FSU would flip more than get flipped from a blue I'll, I'll buy it. I'll buy yeah, it. I'll, I'll buy. I think it's more likely FSU is a flipper than a flippy. Okay. And I think it's just – yeah, no, that makes sense, Chris. And or I think flip, it's just a Flipper or flipped. FSU can potentially flip. There's probably like about 10 to 12 players that you can say on the blue chip uh, range that FSU could flip, whereas like you could maybe lose – I don't think they're going to lose four, but I'm saying like it's just an odds perspective. I'm, you know, I'm not going to talk about flips. I'm not going to talk about odds anymore. Uh, sorry that I wrote that FSU might flip two players in this class. That was crazy. Where was I? In your feels. <laughs> <laughs> Z Firestone, Byers Sinone, you're welcome for helping us hit our bonus uh, in October with that story, guys. Byers Sinone, if we can't run the ball successfully against Virginia Tech this week, the issue won't be fixed this season. I, I, <clears throat> I hate like being so absolute with it. Like if it doesn't happen this one week, then it's done. But like it going from being a concern to me, and if it doesn't happen against Virginia Tech, then I think it becomes an alarming concern, maybe. Yeah, especially coming off a of bye because you know it's something they invested time in. They went back and you know collected data points on watch video on try to figure out what they were doing effectively versus what was not working and you know you would presume play calling follow suit with what they believe they can be most effective at so you would hope to see progress and growth in it but it's also weird Te- teams evolve constantly and mike norvell teams certainly evolve in season they develop in season they change in season they get better in season so i don't want to quite go panic button on it but i think it would be concerning if we don't see it look markedly better not necessarily explosive and great, but just like it's something they can actually go to and feel confident in. And it certainly wasn't in depth value against a very good Clemson defense. Well, yeah, I don't think you're going to see 22 rushing yards again, but like even, you know, BC, where it wasn't really 
but like there's a hole. Did he get to the hole? Did he make a play happen when he hit the hole? Did he take a good track? Are guys putting helmets on helmets when they're trying to block? Are guys getting to the spot when they're trying to move on pools and such? Things like that are the things I think you can look for and see is there improvement in that regard versus what we've seen through four. Virginia Tech is 107th nationally in yards per carry allowed, and they've played. Uh, they shut down Pitt, and everybody else ran really well against them. I think Rutgers yeah. ran for like 240, 250 against them. And Rutgers put a ton of ground game on them. Can Pitt run the ball at all? Like, is that a thing? I know traditionally. Uh, watching that video, no. Um, I don't know what <laughs> Pitt's done on the season. No, they're they're 109. They're not good. Yeah. They're not good at running the football. And so Jerkovic not- is lost right now. I mean, he looks awful back to that offense. Uh, Pitt stinks. Sukovich. Uh, walk if Narduzzi with J- can get that Michigan State job, he should be running for the hills. Walk with JPBT. Byers and Own, sponsored by? The Turner Group. Kind of relate to the last question, uh, but but Chris, I want you to get your thoughts on this. Uh, the self-scouting performed by Atkins during the bye week leads to new offensive line platoons that we have not yet seen, either new players in platoon groups or positional reassignments in that platoon group. Overall, surrounding it, um, I, I think Darius Washington will be somebody they look at using more at tackle because Marie Smith is now healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, to clarify something I've said here about this, I don't think they were comfortable moving Darius outside while Maurice was working his way back, not available because it falls off a cliff after Darius from a snapping standpoint. Obviously, you still worry about Maurice getting hurt, but at some point you use Darius as a swing. You believe in him as a swing. He can be a tackle. I think we see him as a guy, if Byers has another showing as he did in Clemson, where they would not hesitate to go quickly to him. We believe Robert Scott's on the way back. Mike Norvell has talked about this on Monday. We saw him practice today. You know, Robert Scott coming back changes dynamics, but I think it more influences the way Bless Harris is used than anything else. I don't think we see Byers move to guard. I don't think FSU's going to do that. I think the investment has been in him as a tackle, and they're going to stick with that, at least for the foreseeable future. I don't think anything drastically changes with the guards. Uh, at this point, I view Meech and Keandre Jones as a platoon. They speak about it as they rotate those guys. Um, I will be interested – when Scott returns, presumably possibly as early as this weekend, how they use him, how they use Harris, if there's a rotation there, mm-hmm. how much Scott can go. That That's probably the most intriguing thing to me. I don't think we see drastic changes, though. I think they believe in that group of five to eight, and they're going to kind of stick with how they've been using them. The way Atkins talked about it during the Monday presser, Chris, I took it more to be like we'll change up some scheme stuff. I don't know drastically, yeah. but like maybe less counter. Like that, the way he talked about like finding out the things that our guys do well, I thought it was more – them altering what they do from an assignment perspective than it was, oh, we're going to do a wholesale change to our – Yeah, he, he spoke about how he leans into some of the stuff he really likes, and maybe that's not the best for this group. I think he kind of said that to paraphrase on it's Monday. Kind of a cool thing for yeah. a coach to say. Like, yeah. You, you hear that I mean, I, I think you said it after the Monday – I thought – go watch Alex Atkins' Monday presser. I thought it was very good. I thought he was very straightforward, very informative. When it's teaching points and what you're doing and how you're going about the process and doing it, I think that's where he shines in the sense of how he thinks and how he operates as a football coach. By Orsonone, sponsored by? The Turner Group. For you, Zach, we see FSU be much more aggressive on defense from now on. Basically, Clemson's second half is the new normal. Sonone, I don't think it's going to be as aggressive um as like a 40 what five percent blitz rate but i do think it's going to be more aggressive i don't think it's going to be super aggressive is is you know that's what you asked in the question so also known that but but i do think they're going to be 
trying to be the aggressor in, in games coming up. And um, I guess we'll see how that goes. Um, but I do think that's something that they're conscious of and, and that they're going to do. Chris, I'll, I'll let you have this one too, because I know you're, you're jonesing for it. Zach hurts my feelings. You you think they're gonna? <laughs> no, I, I don't think they're gonna drastically change. We have four years of context to this conversation. Exactly. They're not gonna yeah. suddenly, you know, pivot and completely change. That being said, I think the defensive personnel may play a little bit more aggressively in the sense of understanding they're far more effective when they do that. More attacking, uh, Chris, not aggressive. Yes. Changing the way we talk about it. Attack. Yeah, I I think that second half at Clemson probably provided some film and feedback that those guys needed. Guy like Patrick Payton very much came out of his shell and played the best game he has, maybe in an FSU uniform, and certainly this season in his role. And I think, you know, as more guys have that moment, I think it's a positive for them as a whole. They also big, need to start better. Big picture, like Braden Fisk talked about this today, like the which Braden Fisk was a fun interview and like the amount of like maturity he has. Like he's talking about like defensive scheme. He's like, well, there's things that you're going to try to do during the course of a game that you are not just thinking about in that singular game, but you're thinking about it like throughout the course of a season. Like we're putting this on film this week. Well, what does that do next week? And like to further that point, like I think Adam Fuller's viewpoint and philosophy as a defensive coordinator, he talked about this last year. It stuck with me. He doesn't want to necessarily like one reason why he doesn't call a lot of blitzes. And when he does, it's really effective um, because he plays percentages and like what, what's the best, play in that moment um, but he doesn't want to really take the game over from his players and force the issue he wants to let their play kind of do it uh, but what they talked about this week was starting faster and that needed to be like more urgency at the beginning of a game and, and god this is giving me like 2014 vibes talking about starting faster chris it does have this innate like a triggering point um but i i do wonder if like the change that we see is like, yeah, not this full exact 45% blitzing and a half type of deal. But if you do dial things up, whether it's like, Hey, our front four, go get the quarterback. Like don't do the, the mush push, like contain thing, like let's go get it. Or we do more, you know, press coverage or maybe a little bit more blitzing, whatever it is you do tactically. Um, if you do a little bit more earlier on in the game, sprinkle in to kind of try to get the guys like playing with that aggressiveness, that attacking style. Like, I think that's what I'm going to buy on. Like, I think, I think we see that more. I think you've realized that's what works. That's what this group needs right now at this stage in their like maturity process. And then you go throughout the year, they get more mature. Like, okay, you can go more vanilla in the first half, make your second half adjustments and go in for the kill then. Like, okay, that, that's a strategy that works. Uh, but you may have to kind of take that over as a play caller for a little bit where, where this team's at. Uh, Noel Chris, 2020, Byer Sinone, PBTTG, presented by the Turner Group. I got it. Uh, FSU plays an ACC conference game in California. Chris, Packer basketball uh, alto. It would start next year, correct? Uh, yeah, I think so. So probably. Oh, Jesus. Joy. Cali, baby. I can't wait for those back-to-back -back basketball games out there. That Thursday, Sunday, California swing is going to be a hell of a time. Bye, Sinone. Chris is going to go cover that, Zach. Bye. Mm. <laughs> I hate that. Uh, Dr. No. Nobody needs me to, boys. By Orson Known. Alex Mastromano is an elite punter, uh, averaging, I think, 47 yards a punt. That's it, top 10 nationally. He was really good against Clemson. And if you take the 33 yarder out, which was a little bit of a dud on his part, he was phenomenal on the day. Um, yeah, Mastro's doing a good job of hitting it. Danny Cronin, by Orson Known, sponsored by the Turner Group. 
Sonona's the king of the north. Thank you. I do look like Jon Snow. No, you don't. By Orsonon, okay, Ramsey. By Orsonon, we flip more recruits currently committed to other schools than we lose current commits to. Wait, did I ask that already? We already did this one. It sir. wasn't the blue just, chip one. Just because a man complimented you doesn't mean you need to give him. Not, I said if they compliment me, I'm reading it. Uh, in the chat, real quick, Keiston asked, "Should Jordan Travis sit to rest the more against Virginia Tech?" Get ahead, be in control of the game, and yeah, hopefully you can let Tater get in there and have a little burn, and maybe even AJ. I don't know if they would play Barack right now. Still coming back from that. Okay. Uh, let's go to our final segment. That was uh, by Arsenone, sponsored by the Turner Group. Uh, let's talk some recruiting questions as we finish up the mailbag here, Zach. Uh, this is sponsored by Football Coach College Dynasty. You want to let the people know what Football Coach College Dynasty is? It is a video game that you can get on Steam, on PC. Steam. The game has become so popular that they had to raise the price. So it's no longer <laughs> $10, it's $15. Um, still hey, we tried to tell you guys to get it while it was a great deal. It's still a very good deal, but you had your chance. If you didn't get on the ground floor, that's on you. You better get it now. It's still it's still in development, right? Like the, It's an insanely in-depth game, but they're updating this game, you know, like weekly or bi-weekly with, you know, really cool features. So I'm having a ton of fun playing it. Um, in my Georgia State dynasty right now, we're in the playoffs every year. They have a they have the twelve team playoff already instituted into the game. You can do conference realignment. You give NIL to your players. Uh, you can get guys out of the transfer portal. It's a lot of fun. Football coach college dynasty available on Steam um, on the PC for fifteen dollars. Find someone who loves you like Zach loves playing football coach college dynasty. Kunahoon, 25. Do you like where D-line recruiting is trending with the expanded board? Please explain. I, I mean, yes. Like, I I like it more than what was going on over the summer. Um, you know, we can talk more about, like, the kind of timeline of how D-line recruiting has unfolded this cycle. But the summer recruiting of D-line, I think we can all agree, is pretty unacceptable. Like, they got pretty much no defensive linemen on campus for OBs besides Alex January, who they had no shot at um, and committed to Texas. Um, One of the worst body language interviews I think Chris and I have ever yeah, covered. Like and Chris covered kid, a lot more than the I kid have. visited FSU and then committed to Texas like the week or two after. So, yeah, I mean, I just – I like that they're expanding the board, and I, I think that's a positive development. It's something that should have happened three months ago. Um that's kind of what where my my mind is at but we're here now right like they're doing what they can to expand the board i like that they that you know they sent some coaches to go see some guys over the weekend mike norvell stopped at um stopped in the atlanta area for four-star edge rusher cameron fontaine um i think i'm saying that right fontaine. Uh, the, yeah the usc commit um, who has scheduled a visit to FSU. You can read that on Nose247.com. Dane, Dane Draper reported that yesterday. Dane's dropping. I mean, they they offered a new guy out of uh, Maryland, six foot six edge rusher, um, who I like a lot and Dane loves. Um, What's his name, Zach? What's his name? Say his name. Lugar, Say my name. <laughs> Say Lugar, his name. Eduk Pai. I don't know how to say the his last name, but – um, he's a really talented player and a guy that's kind of blown up on the recruiting scene this month. And FSU is already locked in an official visit with him. Um, 
You can read that on Wilson247.com right now. Reported by Steve Wolfong. We also confirmed that visit yesterday. You beat me to oh. the punch. <laughs> <laughs> you snooze, you lose. Um, yeah. yeah, so, no, I, I, I like that they're expanding the board, but my point being, like, I wish this would have happened earlier, and, you know, we'll kind of see where things go. Zach, real quick on this. Would you say there was an LJ McCray who's officially visiting this coming weekend fixation and that caused hesitation? To expand the board? Yeah. In the summer months when LJ McCray never visited. Yeah. I mean, I think it was LJ McCray. I think it was Kamarion Franklin. I think it was a number of those guys that, you know, we we knew, like just viewing from afar, not being in the middle of a recruitment, um, we knew that this wasn't likely. LJ McCray has not stepped foot in Tallahassee since March. Since March. After he showed up to Tallahassee a ton, like in a window. Too. Yeah, like, like they were one of the first big-time schools in on LJ McCray. Florida's and, always been there. Georgia very much trended from that March point through the end of summer. It just felt like over the summer there wasn't like an effort to get guys on campus. And it was and worrisome. And the fact that when they didn't step on campus and you got to early July – and then early August, why from that point was there not a, a bigger effort to expand the board? That's happened since then, but that's my point. Like I, I, I don't know if it was just Elgin McCray, Chris. It was a number of guys that maybe they thought they had a better chance with that they didn't. Um, and to me, it was pretty clear that they didn't because those guys were not stepping foot on campus. All right, we got Zach fired up. Keep him coming, Brendan. To be fair, Zach gets concerned about everything, so it's tough to tell when he's chicken little and when it's a real thing. Thanks, I was, trying to get a, I was trying to get more fired up. It didn't work. Bloom24 asks, is there any push from FSU staff to get KJ Bolden to switch the Miami game visit to an unofficial news is official for the weekend before signing day? Um, I think that is actually in discussion because I don't they don't want to do a lot of in-season OVs. Um, it's just not it's a strategy they've moved away from. They've kind of trended that way over the past couple of years. You know, back when Willie Taggart was here, they did a ton of in-season OVs. When Norvell, went. Oh, sorry. when Norvell first arrived, um, VTech game, uh, when Nor, 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 Norvell first Norby. arrived, he did a ton of in-season OVs. Like I remember that uh, Notre Dame game, they did a, they, you know, Travis Hunter, Jaleel Skinner, names blast from the past. But look how those went. Yeah, they've, uh, <laughs> they've not done a ton of that. The only scheduled OV that I know of that I've been told is LJ McRae for this weekend. I think the KJ Bolden thing is up in the air. I know Jeremiah Smith told me last week or the week before that he could OB for the Miami game. We'll see. I, I think they prefer to have guys OB after the season. And there are some scheduling conflicts with that with guys in the state of Florida. I don't know how Georgia works, but I know like a guy like last year, like Edwin Joseph, like they had to work kind of around his playoff schedule because Shamanah Madonna, the school that Jeremiah Smith now attend, or attends, um, they, they're usually deep in the playoff race and in the state title. So, yeah, we'll see. But, but yeah, I, I think that's definitely up for discussion. I, I would expect FSU to try and get most of their guys to OB after the season. To add to Zach's point, the reason they do postseason officials versus in-season officials is just the ability to spend time with people, yeah. dedicate resources to them. It's tough during a game day. You, you kind of wipe out on a game day, you probably wipe out at least about nine hours of a visit. And given they get the game day experience, but you still try to get the kid here unofficially for a game day to have that experience, get them back for an official where they can be a little bit more, uh, you know, deep and personal. Agreed. Uh, there are no more questions. Uh, last one I'll throw to you, Zach, is realistically, we joked about 
flip candidates and in, in my article and whatnot, like how many legitimate players do you think FSU will end up flipping into this class with currently 21? Didn't we already go over this? Um, no, we never we never did a number. How many exactly? I mean, two to two to three. Like that. That's where I would go right now. Like I think, you know, they're they're trying to flip at least one wide receiver, um, a defensive lineman, maybe an edge rusher. Like that. That's kind of where my head's at. Um, what about I, a DB? They could flip a DB. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say two to three. What would you say, Chris? Zach's a recruiting guy. <laughs> all right. I think that's all we got. Uh, thank you to everyone for following along. Thanks, everyone, for asking questions. Sorry, it's an hour and 15-minute podcast. We try to get through what we can get through, uh, but we do appreciate everyone listening, responding. Always fun when you guys uh, think of fun questions and uh, compliment me in the process. Uh Oh boy, no. We're, okay, Chris, go ahead and talk about it. There's a listening audience too, so go ahead. Somebody asked if I'm still as in love with Jeremiah Byers as I once was, where I said I would have his children, offspring. Um, my boy JB had a rough time in Clemson. It was rough. I still think Jeremiah Byers has immense talent. I think he is most athletically gifted offensive lineman that's currently playing for FSU, without hesitation. But it's got to come together. He's got to get better at just being in the right spot. And he's always been a little peaks and valleys in the four games, obviously more valleys in the Clemson game. I think the key for him going forward more than anything is when you lose, don't lose so bad. I was a member of Talking Point, like, and he's gotten much better at it with like Darius Washington. Earlier in his career when he lost, yeah. like they were catastrophic losses. And that's gotten so much better. Even against Clemson, he had some like not great reps and they just weren't catastrophic. And that's that's what you need. Uh, you need consistency above all else on the offensive line. All right. Anyways, thank you, everyone. Thank you to our sponsors. Uh, for Zach Lawson, Christine, I'm Brendan Sinone. This has been On the Bench. I'm blinking to make sure I get my right amount in before the end of the show. We'll talk to you guys next time. It is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.